Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. Well, this morning we continue our Lenten series on this fourth Sunday of Lent, which is entitled Jesus the Healer. How many of you have been blessed by this series? I know that I have. I think this is a season where healing is a topic that is, um, is appropriate for the time that we live in. We live in a world that is suffering he- wounds in all kinds of ways, not just physically, but relationally and, and even globally. And so this morning, uh, as we explore our sermon within this series, I want to talk about Jesus the healer for those who have been wounded by the church. And I'd like to start with a reading from Matthew 9, 35 and 36. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This morning's sermon is entitled Hope for the Harassed and Helpless. My prayer is that this morning together we might find the hope of healing for those of us who have experienced the affliction suffered because of the church and in Our afflictions, we have become like those who are harassed and helpless, sheep without a shepherd. But I believe that despite the failure of the church at times, leaving us feeling harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, that there is a good shepherd who remains with us, amen, who is present with us through every dark valley. Jesus, the healer, is our good shepherd. And he is the healer of every disease and every affliction, amen? Including the afflictions that we suffer from his church. I wanna set the record straight though before we go any further. I love the church. Can I come out and say it? I feel like a seventh grader talking about his crush. I love the church and I want everybody to know it. I do, I love the church. Why, you might ask? Well, first and foremost, I love the church because Jesus loves the church. I also love the church because it's the place where I grew up. The church is where I met my best friends. The church is where I met my wife. The church is where I found the family of God. when My own family was broken to pieces. The church is where I learned how to love. The church is where I learned that love never fails. Church is where I learned that God is good. All the time, he is good. The church is where I learned how to pray, learned how to forgive. The church is where I learned how to hope. The church is where I learned how to play basketball, where I learned how to play guitar, where I learned how to preach. The church is where I went to VBS. The church is where I get to volunteer for VBS. And if you'd like to join me this year, you should sign up in the foyer at the table on your way out. 
By the way, the church is where I went to summer camp as a teenager. If you have a teenager who would like to go to summer camp with us, we're going to Estes Park, August 1st through 5th. And if you're an onliner this morning who has a teenager, we want to invite your, your student to join us. We'll make all the details possible. Just register them. Go to the website on the events page. All the information's there. All right, there's my plug. Shameless. I grew up in church going to summer camp. I also, it was the church where I had adults in my life who were speaking words of life into this fragile teenager. The church is also the place where, as an adult, I have the opportunity to speak words of life into the lives of fragile teenagers. The church is where I'm raising my kids. The church is where I've started every week of my life in worship, focusing my eyes on Jesus. The church is where I learned that there's all kinds of people in the world, all kinds. The church is where I learned that God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There's never a time God has not been like Jesus. We have not always known this, but now we do. Anybody else learn that in church? I learned that in church. That's been good. The church is where I've seen miracles. The church is where I've wrestled with why I haven't seen certain miracles. The church is where I've learned to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. The church is where I learned the stories of the Bible. The church is where I was baptized into new life. The church is where I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the church is where I learned to care for those in need, the poor, the helpless, the hurting. And the church is where my heart gained a burden, an ache, to see the world made right. The church is where I found Jesus. Anybody else say yes and amen to that? Yeah. You see, I love the church, but the church is not perfect. And it is the Jesus that I met in the church that I cling to during those darker days of the church. You know, there are certain moments in life that you experience in which you remember right where you were and what you were doing, right? It's like 9-11. I remember right where I was. I was in the basement workout room, the, the basement weight room of Burkmar High School in Lilburn, Georgia, and it was chest day. You know how I know that? Because I was bench pressing. I remember exactly where I was and what I was doing when I heard that tragic news of that day on September 11th. I also know exactly where I was the day that I learned the news that would shake my faith and shatter the faith of many of my friends and their families in my church. I was 16 years old and I was at my grandmother's house working on my 1996 white Chevy S10. That's right, that was my first car. And uh, I've lived in the Midwest for a number of years now, like two decades. And so here in the Midwest, people get trucks and they put lift kits on them and bigger tires, right? That's what we do in the Midwest. Well, my 96 Chevy S10, uh, we, we got it as low as it could go without adding airbags and put little thin tires on it and five 10 inch subwoofers in the back, all right? So, if you know me now, that was a lifetime ago. <laughs> yeah, and so I was working on my truck, detailing it, and uh, my grandmother came in. My grandmother was the secretary of the church at the time, actually. See, I grew up where my life was intertwined with the church. My mom was a secretary at the church at one point. My dad was an elder. He sang on the worship team. I remember he did covers of Carmen. 
for the offering time. I don't know, it just stands out in my mind. I got a good laugh from that. Uh, someone knows what I'm talking about. So my life was intertwined. I remember we went to church. We had two services on Sunday morning. I went to both. Then we had Sunday night church. That was after I went to lunch with everybody from church and usually stayed at a friend's house from church so that then we could return to church and then I would get back with my family to go to school the next day. We'll see then we had school. I went to school with my pastor's kids. And so after school, since my mom worked at the church, guess where we would go? We'd all ride together from school to the church. And then on Wednesdays, we would just stay there all day because we had Wednesday night church. And then not to mention we had home group or care group on Tuesday nights. And my dad was in the church softball league on Thursday nights. So you see, my whole life was spent at the church or doing something with the church, except Saturdays I played baseball. Anyway, so that's my childhood, right? It was church, 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 church. My life was just intertwined with the church, which is why I think this day was so devastating for me. My grandmother walks in the garage and she says, hey, you need to sit down, we need to talk. And I found out that day that in the midst of a growing season in the church that I grew up in, we had just, we had just bought land and built a second location. We were pioneering the multi-site movement for churches in this growing Atlanta suburb. Our pastor had speakers from the Word of Faith movement, premier speakers from all over the world come in. We had the, the top worship artist at our church. Our pastor was traveling the world speaking. And I was excited about it. And my grandmother came in and I thought she was going to give me some great news. And instead, she told me that our lead pastor of 13 years had made a series of bad decisions and had a moral fallout. And not only a moral fallout, but left the church in financial ruin. And unfortunately, the church that I grew up in, while the buildings were absorbed into other congregations, no longer exists today. And it was that day that my faith was shook. Not in Jesus, but in his church. And I've got friends who have never returned to church. And it breaks my heart. My heart broke that day. My confidence in the church was crushed in a moment. You see, many left the church after the news came out. Many stayed in the church after the news came out. But can I say that all were wounded? All were wounded. I learned this truth, it's not biblical, but it's true, that it takes a lifetime to build credibility and a moment to lose it. It takes a lifetime to build credibility and a moment to lose it. There is no doubt in my mind that all of us will suffer wounds from those in the church if we participate in the church. The wounds suffered in our life because of those in the church aren't just experienced because of unhealthy church leaders or unhealthy churches. You see, we're at Word of Life Church, which I believe is a healthy church, a good church with great leadership and healthy leadership. And I thank God for this church and I thank God for our leaders and our pastors, I do. And I'm not here to deliver some sad news today about our church. Can everybody just take a deep breath? <sighs> Praise God. No, I just think that it's healthy for us as the church to acknowledge the reality that because the church is a group of people seeking to be a worshiping and just community, that the seeking implies that we have yet to arrive. We haven't arrived yet. We are still seeking to be 
what we are called to be, that worshiping just community centered around Jesus. So the seeking implies we have yet to arrive. And the community, it implies that we are committed to doing life together, that we are committed to being in relationships with one another. And we learned earlier today from our small group trailer from Jenny Allen that if we're going to be in relationship with one another, there are three things that we need to be clear about. I will disappoint you, you will disappoint me, but God will never disappoint us. Amen. And it is this faithful God who also stands in solidarity with us in our woundedness. When we suffer wounds, it is this God who is faithful, who stands with us in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our brokenness. You see, we're not the only ones who suffered the wounds inflicted by those in the church. Jesus himself, God in Christ, has suffered the wounds of the church. Jesus on the cross, our good news is that Jesus on the cross suffered for us. But I would also say that Jesus on the cross suffers with us which is incredibly important. It's good news. I know that it seems strange that that's good news, but it's good news. If you've experienced wounds, you know how good it is to know that we have a God who doesn't remain absent and aloof from our pain, but rather joins with us in our pain. That he suffered his own wounds, that he might stand with us in our woundedness. To me, this is a part of a beautiful gospel. And I want us for a moment to look at our gospel reading from today, Luke 22, verses 39 through 51. And I want us to look for the wounds of Christ in this story, but also the work of Christ to heal in this story. Verse 39. Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you may not given to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last he stood up again and returned to the disciples only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. But even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached led by Judas, one of the 12 disciples. Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. But Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We brought the swords. One of them struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Amen. The story comes at the last moments of Jesus' life before his arrest and betrayal. Jesus, feeling the weight of what he knew he must face, turns to the place of prayer. Jesus often does this in times when he's exhausted, 
overextended and anxious. He turns to the place of prayer. Can we just pause and acknowledge this for a moment? Jesus found himself, God in the flesh finds himself exhausted, overextended, and anxious. Says that his spirit was filled with agony about what he was facing. And in his moments of exhaustion, and when he's overextended in ministry, when he's anxious about what's to come, what does Jesus do? He turns to the place of prayer. And so I want to invite you all to follow Jesus. How about that? It's an altar call. Let's follow Jesus. And oftentimes when we follow Jesus, he calls us to do some hard things like take up our cross. But then there are other times when we are following Jesus that he says, here, I want to show you how to live the unforced rhythms of grace. Are you worn out? Are you burnt out? Are you carrying heavy loads and burdens with you in life? Are you full of anxiety? He says, come with me, get away with me. Let me teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. Let me show you how to find a real rest. Let me show you how to find a peace which can surpass your understanding. And I believe that it is in the presence of Jesus that we experience that peace which is unexplainable. And so I would like to invite you, if you are feeling in a moment, a uh, season of life where you are exhausted, overextended, and anxious, to carve out space in your life to get away with Jesus and just invite him into the place of anxiety, into your exhaustion, to give you both peace and strength. Amen? Amen. So Jesus does this and he invites his disciples to join him. He invites them to join him in prayer. Here is Jesus, full of anxiety, knowing what he's about to face. And he invites those closest to him, his 12 disciples, to join him and support him in prayer, right? It's what we do when we go through hard times. We ask our friends and family, those in the church, to be praying for us. But we know from this gospel reading and from the other accounts in the other gospels that the disciples failed to do that. They failed to support Jesus. In fact, three times he returns from being away in prayer to them and he finds them asleep. And I know that that would leave me feeling disappointed in those that are closest to me, that they weren't there to support me, to, to, to carry me, to uplift me. They don't understand the weight that I'm facing and carrying. And so Jesus, disappointed by the disciples, uh, the dis disappointment continues from this moment, right? Judas then arrives with a crowd, and Judas is about to, to give Jesus the last human touch that he will receive before being arrested, tried, and crucified. The last human touch from a loved one that Jesus receives is the kiss of betrayal. It's sad to me. I didn't think about that till this week. That's, that's like the last time before he's now arrested. Try Every other human touch would be one that was from someone who, who was arresting him or trying him or crucifying him. But here, one of the 12, the last experience that he has, the last human touch with a loved one is the kiss of betrayal. Judas kisses him and the other disciples realize what's about to happen and they think, is this the day the revolution begins? This must be it. Jesus, the Messiah, he's a, this is the moment. They're coming to arrest him. Jesus told us to buy, bring two swords. We wondered, why two? Why only two swords? He said, this is enough. Why is that enough? Two's not gonna get the job done. Maybe he'll multiply them like he did the two fish, right? And it'd be like swords for everyone. They would come to know later that of course the kingdom of God doesn't come like this. That it is a peaceable kingdom. 
And that the day the revolution begins is the day that Jesus lays down his life and self-sacrificing love with forgiveness on his lips that reorients the world from being organized around an access of power and force through violence. Instead, he organizes the world around an access of love expressed in unconditional self-sacrificing forgiveness and love. It's amazing, right? This is the day the revolution begins, not the day that Peter takes up arms against those who come to arrest Jesus. Jesus picks up the sword and he tries to lop off the head of Malchus, the servant from the temple, the guard. He misses, gets his ear, his right ear. Jesus yells out, no more of this. I, I hear Jesus saying that in our world now, as I think about the war happening overseas, I just speak to that and say, Jesus saying no more of this. Lord, we just pause for a moment we pray for, for the land of Ukraine where this war is taking place and we just say no more of this. May your peaceable kingdom come here on the earth as it is in heaven and the people of God said, amen. Jesus says no more of this. Another gospel says, he, he speaks to Peter and says, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And the disciples, the whole crowd falls silent as Jesus speaks with authority except for the man who's, who's crying out in agony, his ear has just been cut off and Jesus comes over to the wounded, picks up the ear and restores Malchus. A miracle of healing, not often listed in the miracles of Jesus' ministry, but here we have his last miracle of healing before he's crucified. He heals Malchus. We see Jesus in this story, disappointed by the church, betrayed by the church, and now in his name, he watches the church lash out and wound those outside of the church. Lord, have mercy. And he does. Lord, have mercy, we pray. When something is so awful, we just say, Lord, have mercy. And we see in this story that he does. That Jesus has mercy in this moment, Jesus has mercy on the wounded. Maybe you've experienced a loss of confidence in the credibility of the church because of the wounds that you've suffered. Maybe you've been the victim of what feels like betrayal. Maybe you've been rejected by those who are supposed to support you. Maybe you've been neglected by those who are supposed to stand with you. Maybe you've been abused by those who were supposed to protect you. And like Malchus, these wounds, man, they cut so deep. And it's not, like a, it's, it's not like a cut that can just heal back over time. Malchus loses an ear. He loses a part of himself. And I think at times in the church, what can be so detrimental is that we call this the family of God. And it's when those closest to us injure us that at times it feels like we lose a part of ourselves. Maybe some of you have suffered wounds so deep that you feel like you've lost a part of who you are, that you'll never look the same. People won't look at you the same. You'll never experience life the same. And you... And you think there is no hope for recovery, but I believe in this moment, even this morning, can I say to you that Jesus is present here in this place as we gather in his name. That Jesus was present when you suffered the wounds that you experienced. That rejection, that neglect, that abuse. He was there in that moment. 
And Jesus is here in this moment, wherever you are, in this sanctuary, all over the world. He is in all things, filling all things. He is present to you and he has the power to heal those wounds. He has the ability to restore the parts of you that have been lost. I believe that. I invite you to believe that, to open yourself to the mercy of God, to the healing that's present in the presence of Jesus. He is both the suffering servant who suffered for you. By his wounds, we are healed, but he also suffers with you. He knows your pain. He was there when you were wounded and he is here now to heal those wounds. Jesus has mercy on the wounded. Jesus also has mercy on the church. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your mercy. You know, Peter misses the kingdom by a mile. He gets it completely wrong. And he had followed Jesus for years. He had been there for every teaching, every parable, every miracle. Peter was one of the 12. Peter is the rock on which Jesus says, I will build my church. Little play on words with the name of Peter, but it's true. He has that revelation that Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of God. And Jesus says, you, Peter, are right. And upon this rock, I will build my church. He also told Jesus, he also told Peter, Jesus tells Peter, you will be, you will be sifted like wheat. Satan is coming for you. He says, you'll deny me three times. You see, Peter gets it wrong when he lashes out at Malchus. Jesus corrects him, no more of this, heals Malchus. But then this is the moment when Peter's life begins to unravel, right? Next, we see Peter outside of the, the trial when Jesus is being questioned. And Peter denies Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. He denies him and then a rooster crows and he remembers that Jesus told him, you'll deny me. And Peter says, I'll never deny you. He's done what was inconceivable in his own mind. Then at the crucifixion, we have no account of Peter. He's nowhere to be found in the story. The next time we see Peter, he's back to fishing. Seemingly disqualified from his calling to be the rock on which Jesus would build his church. He goes back to what he knew before Jesus fishing, seemingly lost, but Jesus is the good shepherd and he comes to find this one sheep who is lost, Simon Peter, and he finds him out on that sea and he prepares a meal for him in which he restores Peter. He grants him mercy and grace. He forgives his faults. He says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. He says three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Because he knew he denied him three times. And so Jesus is making a point. Do you love me? Three times. Three times Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then what does he do? He restores Peter's calling. He says, feed my sheep, care for my sheep. Be a shepherd once again for my sheep. I think this is beautiful. Jesus is present to heal our hurts and forgive our faults. There is both healing and grace in the presence of Jesus. And so maybe you're here this morning and you are aware that people are wounded in the church. Maybe you're aware of your own faults and failures as a part of the church that you haven't 
lived up to your high calling in Christ. I think we could all say that. We're all sinners and fallen short of the glory. We're all aware of that. But maybe some of you are here this morning and you're just keenly aware of your own failure to live up to, to who you've been called to be in Christ. And I don't know who you are. I, I, I know that, that many of us are aware of our own faults and failures. In fact, we focus too much on them. We focus on our own faults and failures more than Jesus does. Can I just let you know that? Jesus is present this morning. I believe that. He is present here this morning. And to the church, those of you in the church who have failed to be the church, as you are called to be, I believe that Jesus here this morning restores you. He heals your brokenness. He extends grace and mercy to you. He says your sins are forgiven. Do you love me? And we would respond, yes, Lord, I love you. He says, then feed my sheep. Then be about the work of the kingdom. And so Jesus has mercy on the wounded and Jesus has mercy on the church. Amen. Jesus heals our hurts and forgives our faults and we will need him to do both in order for us to be his church. I believe that when we read Matthew 9, we can replace the crowd with the church and we, we see the scripture like this. When Jesus saw the church, he had compassion for them because he knew they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus comes as the good shepherd to his church. And as one who is a shepherd that would leave the 99 to chase after the one, when we've been ostracized from the church, rejected by the church, wounded by the church, cast out by the church, or when we failed the church and on our own turned away from the church, turned our back on the church, found ourselves lost like Peter was, not sure of our calling anymore, not even sure if we can follow Jesus anymore. I believe that Jesus leaves the 99 to come after the one. That's a beautiful picture. We love that. But here's the full story. He doesn't just leave the 99 to be victim to whatever may, may become of them. He, he finds the one to do what? To bring that little sheep back to the 99 that we may be one. Can we just have that picture in our mind this morning? I wanna to speak to those, maybe you're here this morning, so you're in church, but maybe your heart is far from the church. You're present in body, but in spirit, you've just, you haven't been able to sit, be fully committed again to the church, or maybe you're joining us online. And I commend you, maybe you've left the church because of a wound, but you've made your way back and this is your first step to trying to be restored to a place in the church because you love the church as well. I just wanna let you know that Jesus is here as the good shepherd this morning to bring those of us who are lost, who are lonely, back into the flock. And it may be a slow work and it may be something that we don't see in fullness till the, the age to come, but I believe that Jesus is at work that he might see his prayer answered from John 17. This was Jesus' prayer for us. This is Jesus' prayer for the church, for you and I this morning, for the church around the world. Jesus says that they might all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I have given to them 
that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. You know what the hope of the world is? It's Jesus. You know who carries the message of Jesus? You know who gets to introduce people to Jesus. You know who who gets to offer the body and blood of Jesus here in this bread and this cup, don't you? It's the church, it's us. We get to carry the hope that is Jesus to the world. And here Jesus' prayer for us is that we would find the grace for one another. Jesus, God was in Jesus reconciling the world to himself. This is what Ephesians tells us. But then he says that we are to be ambassadors, that we are to be representatives of his kingdom and do the work of reconciliation ourselves. That we can be reconciled to God and that we are also called to be reconciled to one another. And so this morning, I just invite you to be aware of the presence of Jesus, to heal the hurts and to forgive the faults in the church, that we may be one. And in seeing the world, seeing us and saying, man, the church is messed up at times. Man, the church gets it wrong sometimes, but whoa, the same place that I saw people get hurt is the same place I'm seeing people get healed as well. The same place I see people fall from grace as we say, fall, they, they fall hard too. The, the bigger they are, the, the harder they fall. Lord have mercy. I've just been reading the news lately and I just cry out, Lord have mercy on your church. We need your mercy. And the Lord says, watch, I'm gonna show the world what grace and forgiveness looks like, what it looks like to restore the brokenhearted, to mend those who have been shattered to pieces so that they might come to know and believe that Jesus is sent from God. Amen. Would you stand on your feet this morning? And I just want to pray for us this morning and then we will confess our faith, our belief in Jesus that he was sent from God. He is the hope of the world. And then together we will confess our sins and receive absolution and forgiveness for those sins. And then we are all invited to come to this table to receive this meal from Jesus, to find healing and forgiveness, to be restored And when we do, you'll you'll have an usher that releases you row by row and you'll come down front and everyone is welcome this morning and someone will say to you, the body of Christ broken for you. Know that he was broken, that we might be made whole. Take the bread. And then the next person will say, the blood of Christ shed for you. He, He shed his blood that we might enter a new covenant in which we see God as the God who is love who is all forgiving, that we might come to know that God is just like Jesus, that in his presence is healing and grace and forgiveness. Take the bread, dip it in the cup and receive into your own body the healing and the grace of God. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this moment, in this moment, recognizing your presence here with us. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the way maker the miracle worker. That even when we don't see that you're working, we know that you never stop working. 
that you were there when we experienced our wounds, that you are here now to heal those wounds. Lord, we pray for your church and we say, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And help us here at Word of Life Church to be the kind of church that extends grace when we fail and that is present to one another in our woundedness to bring the healing of Jesus that's needed. Lord, may we stand with one another in solidarity and weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice, that we might be like a beacon of light shining in this dark world with the hope of Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would build your church, that you would repair your church, that you would have mercy on your church, that you would equip your church for every good work, Lord Jesus, that we would see your kingdom come, your will be done here on the earth through your church as it is in heaven. And so, Lord, here we are. We say, send us, restore us, forgive us, heal us, that we might shine bright with the light of Christ to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us confess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name, amen. And God is gracious to all who confess their sins and in humility ask for mercy. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven, amen. And this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. And it is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come, for it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you.